0: This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church, and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Israel, Susanna, Julian, Sam VR, and Levi. First we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question And we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Israel, who asks, How many days was Jesus on earth? Finally, an easy question. Actually, I'm just kidding, Israel, because to do this, we're going to need to have a little bit of mathematical knowledge And honestly, math is not my strong suit, as you're about to see. But hopefully when we're done, we'll be able to say with certainty how many days Jesus was on Earth. First, let's review a few facts. We need to know two things, basically. Uh, When was Jesus born, and how old was he when he died? Oh, also, we're going to need to know when he died, what day he was crucified on, and also how many days there are in a year. So here we go. Jesus was born on December 25th, that's Christmas day, just seven days before the new year. He was 33 years old when he was crucified. There are 365 days in a year, so 33 years would be 12,045 days. Now, We just need to add the days between Jesus' 33rd birthday and his crucifixion, which would have been on the Friday before Easter. But things start to get tricky because Easter moves around from year to year, but that would add approximately four months, or about 120 days more or less. Which brings us to a total of 12,165 days. But we're not done, because Jesus was on earth another 40 days after the resurrection. So that's going to bump our number up to 12,205 days. Whew. There's just one problem. We don't actually know what day Jesus was born on. december twenty fifth it's just a traditional date for his birth, and the same thing goes for easter. we We also can't be certain exactly how old Jesus was when he was crucified. We have to guesstimate. So the answer may not be exactly 12,205 days. Let's just say it's round about 12,000 to 12,500 days more or less, and say that's close enough. And now Susanna asks, do you think animals go to heaven? Well, Susanna, there are a couple of things that give me hope in this regard. First of all, while animals are affected by the fall into sin, they are not guilty of sin. They don't have souls condemned by sin and in need of grace, which is why there is no plan of salvation for animals. But there can be no question of animals being condemned or punished for sin. We're leaving out the serpent from Genesis 3 here. He's a special case. The second thing is that when the new creation is described in Scripture, animals are there. If the lion is going to lie down with the lamb, then there have to be some lions and some lambs in the new heaven and the new earth, right? Are these the same animals as the ones we know in this earth? Will our pets be included in the creation that Jesus makes new? I don't think we can say anything definite about that based on what the Bible actually teaches, but I also don't think we can rule it out. In fact, I think we can hold out some hope based on the Bible's teaching that this might actually be the case. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Julian. So let's give him a round of applause. Here's Julian's question. When is it okay to lie? Julian, if you look up the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you'll find number nine in verse 16. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, this is the foundation of the Bible's teaching that lying is a sin, and therefore not okay, because it's never okay to commit a sin. Traditionally, Christian theologians have taught that it is never right to say anything that does not correspond with fact. That Christians should be scrupulous tellers of truth, and nothing but the truth. Augustine believed this, and so did Calvin. In fact, there's a wonderful story about Athanasius, a hero of the early church, the one that Athanasian Creed is named after, that shows how important they believed it was not to lie. Supposedly, imperial troops were pursuing Athanasius up the Nile River by boat, and their ship was faster than the boat that was carrying him. As they came up behind him, one of the soldiers called out, We're looking for Athanasius. Have you seen him? And Athanasius replied, Yes, he is just ahead of you. If you hurry, you can overtake him. And the soldiers sped up. They passed his boat, and they sailed off into the distance in hot pursuit. And Athanasius escaped. And he did it without telling a lie. Now let's pause right here and clarify something. There is a difference between saying that it's never okay to lie and saying that Christians never lie. Of course they do. Every human being is guilty of breaking the ninth commandment in some way. The question isn't whether we lie. It's whether our lying is sinful. And the traditional answer is yes, which is one of the many reasons why we need forgiveness. God's grace. But let's consider an example from the Bible that makes this more complicated. The example of Rahab. In Joshua chapter 2, Rahab hides the two spies sent to Jericho and deceives the men who are hunting them down. By doing this, she saves the lives of those spies. Does the Bible condemn her deception? Hardly. Hebrews 11 verse 31 says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And James 2 verse 25 says, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Now, neither of those verses says, Rahab did a bad thing, but God forgave her. They actually celebrate her as a hero of faith. And this presents for us a dilemma. Some people, when they approach this problem, say that it illustrates the point that sometimes the ends justify the means. You have to do bad things to accomplish good results because we live in a bad world. Lying is wrong, sure, but sometimes you have to do a little evil in order to prevent a great evil. Other people say that Rahab should have found a way to redirect the searchers without resorting to deception, kind of the way Athanasius did earlier. She was wrong, in other words. But, under the circumstances, we can overlook that. Basically, both sides agree that deception might be necessary sometimes, They just disagree over whether a necessary wrong is still wrong. There's actually one theologian, John Frame, who argues that the duty to preserve life, which comes from the Sixth Commandment's prohibition on unlawful killing, means that we cannot participate in any way in the unjust taking of life, meaning that Rahab's lie wasn't a lie at all. It was a duty, something along the lines of a ruse de guerre or a wartime deception. People often ask whether it would have been a sin to lie to the Nazis if they were searching for people hidden in your house. Would a Christian have to answer truthfully if that meant turning those people over to certain death? According to Frame, this is one of those useless philosophical dilemmas that ignores the Bible's clear teaching about preserving life. Now, what should we make of all this complexity? Personally, I think the best thing to do is to lean toward the traditional understanding, and here's why. The thing about being a sinner is that you're always looking for reasons to justify your sin. You make excuses so that you don't have to condemn your own actions. Now, you can see this happening, Julian, all around you in the world. If you read the Bible, you'll find that there are many things that are condemned as sin that the world around us says are not wrong at all. They're actually good. They're things to be celebrated. I think you'd be better off assuming that you are guilty and then seeking God's forgiveness then you would be trying to justify yourself and getting it wrong. If you've actually sinned, then telling yourself that you haven't won't make any difference at all. I would rather confess a sin and have God say, hey, that's not even a sin, than to harden my heart when it really is a sin. And then strive to live truthfully to the best of your ability, instead of lying whenever it suits you and telling yourself that you had no choice. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question comes from Sam VR, who asks, do you refill the orange juice every Sunday? Sam, that depends on what you mean by you. If you mean, do I personally refill the orange juice? Then the answer is no. If you mean, does somebody refill it? Then the answer is yes. In other words, we don't keep serving the same orange juice week after week until you drink it all. If we did, you'd probably notice, because it wouldn't taste quite right the second week or the third. At least, I assume it wouldn't. We've never actually tried this. Maybe we should conduct a little experiment and see whether or not you can tell. What do you think? And now Levi asks, if you had a pet dinosaur, which one would it be? Levi, I have two cats, and I already feel like I'm barely able to keep them under control. So the last thing in the world that I want is another pet, especially a pet dinosaur. For one thing, I don't have room in the house for even a small dinosaur. I guess if we had a baby brontosaurus, we could keep his body down in the basement and just let his long neck stick up through the stairwell. But how would we even get him down there in the first place? I have no idea. Maybe the best thing would be to have a pterodactyl because he'd be able to just fly around over the house and maybe land in the yard when he was hungry or something. But I'd be afraid he might eat other people's outdoor pets. But now that I think about it, You probably have more room at your house, so if I had a pet dinosaur, let's say a little Tyrannosaurus named Mark Jr., I could just keep him at your house and then visit from time to time. That might be a great idea. Why don't you check and see if your parents are okay with it? That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking the big questions.